This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Where do you go for comics new and old? Uh, garage sales? Wrong! Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars? Uh, In magazines, mostly. Wrong again! And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Well, there are lots of different options if you're looking for something... (laughs) So incredibly wrong! Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. Meet Doctor Who star David Tennant and Lord of the Rings star Elijah Wood June 1st through the 3rd in Des Moines, Iowa. Then meet Aquaman Jason Momoa and Luke Cage's Mike Coulter June 8th through the 10th in Columbus, Ohio. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to wizardworld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No problem. Use promo code CANDARE at checkout (laughs) to get 10% off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? The, The internet? Oh, good answer. Really? No! Wizard World Comic Con! Go to wizardworld.com for tickets. He's gonna take you back to... Hey, this is James Rolfe, and you're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Suck ass, DVD angry, video game nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And returning to the show this week for his fourth appearance. Fourth appearance. I don't. I, that might trump most other guests yeah, we've had on. Is, that, is that a record? I think it is, Frankie. Yeah. I'm the Tom Hanks of uh, the Candare podcast. <laughs> Your jacket's in the mail. Uh, yeah, there you go. A, a true honor. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of just got ahead of myself with his introduction there. I just blurted his name out before I even <laughs> said why he was here. Oh, it's Frank. It's here to talk about the uh, the uh, recent release of his comic Fall Street. Frank Mueller. Again, thanks for being here with us, Frank. Thanks for having me. Got a good show lined up for you today. First in our retro roundtable, once again, looking back into pop culture Indeed history and uh, have an interesting topic this week. I yeah, think it'll be a, a lot one. of fun. We, we haven't, this is one of those that's it's kind of outside what we've touched on. Yeah, it is. It's like it's new ground. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty vague, so it's yeah, interesting. It's plenty it's of gonna, opportunities. It's be cool to see what people bring to I it. I got a couple ideas. Cool, yeah. cool. But uh, I know people are like, well, what are you talking about? We'll tell you in just one second with Jakey's old-fashioned radio crawl here. Calm down. It'll come to you. <laughs> we'll feed you baby birds. <laughs> and in the comic vault. I can't vault, take credit for that. That's someone else's joke. In the comic vault, what do we have, guys? I've got a, a webcomic series by the name of Death Bulge. Death Bulge? Yeah. I assume named for the phenomenon of a hangman achieving erection in his final moments. Yeah. Could be wrong. I feel like it's uh, one of Ron Jeremy's many nicknames. <laughs> right, seriously. <laughs> if you ever turned into a supervillain, I'm sure that would factor in somehow. But yeah, Death Bolt. Death Bolt. Death Bolt. Hilarious. <laughs> Death Cock. I mean... <laughs> Dark penis. <laughs> yeah, one of the books we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Frank and talk Fall Street. But before we do all that, Jake... Social networking. It is the lifeblood of modern society, and we too are addicted to that sweet, sweet nectar. So head on down to Twitter and follow us. We are at Canned Air Pod, and we've got lots of cool links, opportunities for entertainment, fun pictures, gifts, moving images, all types of things for you to enjoy. And then when you're done there, head to Instagram, where you'll find us as at Canned underscore Air, where we do much the same thing, but in a more picture-centric way. And most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, if you like what we do, we are on Patreon. So toss a couple of bucks a month our way. goes way farther than you'd think. And if you reach that $5 or more mark, you have access to the Founders Club Patreon 
exclusive podcasts. All right. I don't know why. And here within the next week or so, like we, uh, I think it was the last episode, we said we're going to be changing some of the, the uh, reward tiers. All for the better. For backers. So you can, uh, if you wanted a Candare t-shirt and wanted to support us some way, you can kill two birds with one stone you no by longer have backer. to choose you no longer have to choose it's all right there in the yeah. same option so consider it so decals we're going to make and for those uh patrons who have been here the whole time supporting us you know once those rewards come into play you know that you've earned we'll automatically get them sent to you some of them will probably need some addresses from them. yeah yep so uh we'll be sending our agents yeah. to collect that information at the point of a knife if necessary <laughs> Give them what they want. <laughs> there it is. They're beyond our control. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that about does it. So let's just kick this episode off with this week's Retro Roundtable. I am preparing a slap to the mic. That's like... This month in pop culture history, May 23rd, 1934, bank robbers Bonnie and Clyde, America's favorite criminal duo, are shot to death in a stolen Ford Deluxe. Then, May 24th, 1991, Thelma and Louise was released in theaters, in many ways the spiritual successors to that illustrious duo. (laughs) Thank you very much, Jake. No problem. Love that, as always. Thank you. So we're going to be talking about fictional small-time crooks, mobsters, anything that might fall in that area. Again, very vague conversation. It it took a little bit of thinking. When I saw that topic, I was like, okay, I've got like one or two, but and then it snowballs pretty fast. Right, right. So let's uh, actually start with our uh, our guest here, Frank. What would be your first contribution to this this, uh, topic? The first people that came to my mind was um, the Fratellis from Goonies. Oh, wow. Excellent. Perfect. Never even thought of that. Man, that one slipped right by me. Yeah. If there was like you a know, perfect I... definition for this category, I think <laughs> yeah, that probably it. is it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, were, they were sort of like bumbling buffoons. Uh, my name is Francis, so it always like stuck with me. That he hated to be called Francis, and I hated to be called Francis. <laughs> yeah. so, I can relate to this guy. I was secretly, I, I was rooting from the whole time. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know that was a, they were just they were great villains. You know, they perfect foils for children in a story because you know you, you can't take them too serious, and they're not. You know, they were just inept enough that it would make sense that these children continuously outsmart them. Oh, yeah, they were dumbasses. It's that sure. right balance of menace and incompetence. You right. really have exactly. to get that ratio right. For being a family, they didn't resemble each other at all. <laughs> Weird how it works. Makes me think of, and I didn't, didn't uh, even have these guys on my list, but uh, Harry and Marr from Home Alone. You know, serve as yeah. wet bandits. The wet bandits. Son of a serve bitch. As that was going to be my bandits. first. I'm sorry. That's okay. They, they 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 serve perfect example here because you don't want to take them too seriously because a ten year old's constantly beating the living yeah. fuck out of them. But how in, capable could they be in the second movie when they end up catching him and put a gun to him? It, you know, it gets real really quick. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a kid, it got scary in that moment. Like, oh wow, they have him. It's a threat. <laughs> it's like it stops being Looney Tunes. Yeah, it starts like. Oh, the stakes are real. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You see the other side of the coin that the first movie didn't show. Yeah. Jack. Natural Born Killers. Nice. I don't remember their names. I've never seen. Oh, my God. Never seen. Yeah, I've never seen that either. Oh, my God. Uh, with, with Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson and Juliet. Lewis? Martin Ding. You know, it's funny Woody Harrelson's name comes up because I just learned over the weekend that his father was a murderer, like was a convicted felon. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that had anything to do with why he got in the movie. (laughs) Seriously. Well, it could be. I don't know, but uh, yeah, he's he's got a whole Wikipedia page. (laughs) It's gnarly. Yeah, I had no idea. They were kind of... Did you see it? I've seen bits and pieces. Okay. It was kind of like a Romeo and Juliet-ish type thing. She was a... Uh, abused kid and Woody came over and rescued her and they fell in love and they just went on this killing spree pretty much all over the place. 
I, I remember the cover of it. I can, I can think of it. It's a twisted movie, but it's really doesn't good. Doesn't he wear like the little circular like yeah. John Lennon glasses yeah. in the yeah, 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 I remember the cover of that. Very good. That's Jake. Oliver Stone, right? I believe so. It definitely has all the hallmarks of <laughs> yeah. <an> Oliver Stone. <laughs> <laughs> now, when we said I want to clarify before I pull the trigger on this one. Fictional criminal duos or specifically robbery-related burglary? It's, as, it's very vague. Okay, Anything all right. falls in there. Criminal duos. Who here has seen The Professional with John Renault and oh, yeah. uh, Natalie Portman? Mm, yeah. No. Never seen you it. You have seen, seen it? most of it, though. You're, you're kind of aware I'm, of it to some uh, extent. Yeah, I know. Those two made a fantastic criminal duo. Really? Contract yeah. killer who takes in the orphaned child of victims of this mass this lunatic played by Gary Oldman who's just fucking fantastic right. and uh, he teaches he's, her the training he's tra- a maniac sorry what was that Frank he was a maniac in that movie Gary Oldman he was great yeah he was terrifying I'll have to see it oh it's it's well worth your time but they make a they make a pretty cool team there's a lot of roles Gary yeah, Oldman but, did that I didn't realize it was him until way after. You're yeah. like, oh, he's shit, so good. He just, he's, he just, he's a chameleon. He turns into that. whatever he needs to be, yeah. and you don't even recognize him when you're looking right at him. It's crazy. He always looks slightly different, so you don't, yeah, you don't pick it up. You're like, is mm-hmm. that Gary Oldman? It is Gary Oldman. Not only that, though, I mean, he's good with uh, with his voice and his oh, accents. Yeah. Yes. Like, he can make himself sound like a million different people. He's it, so good. It took mm-hmm. me years to find out that he was English originally. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I never would have guessed. Yeah. His accent is perfect wherever it is, wherever it's going. I've heard him do Eastern European. You know, guy. he was Dracula and Coppola's Dracula. He was fucking amazing in that. He was the villain in yeah. Fifth Element. Yeah, oh, Zorg, he's the greatest. Are you kidding me? I didn't know no, that. Yeah, you didn't know that was him? No. Yeah. Every oh, time I so see him, I'm like, good. I can't believe that's Jim Gordon. God, I love The him. Gary Oldman effect. It <laughs> happens again. It happens again right here on there. Mm-hmm. Wow. We're going to we're gonna have to coin that. Yeah. Because it's a real thing. It's a, it'll continue to happen. I'll keep finding roles he's done and just he, be amazed. He generates what I'd like to call an Oldman field. It distorts <laughs> visible light. Isn't that what Scientologists uh, track? <laughs> oh, your Oldman levels are off the charts. <laughs> oh, just kidding, Scientologists. Lighten up. Lighten up. <laughs> I'm sure they will. <laughs> They're at the door. Uh, one I've got here, uh, and he's, he rides a line because uh, to the common man, he poses a big threat. But in the Pantheon... Of heroes and villains, he's small potatoes. The Shocker, <laughs> oh yeah, Spider Man, because he's one of those people who is small time trying to graduate into the big time mm-hmm. criminal league so much. He wants it so bad, and he's tried so many ways, but it comes so very close, but can never quite get there. You almost sympathize with him. You do, yeah. and that's why I love him as a character because you are kind of rooting for him. Oh, sometimes. you can like, do it, buddy. Yeah. It's like the Captain Boomerang effect. And when you see him almost put shit together, you know, it's like yeah. like you're saying, you're, you're rooting for him. One of these days, he's just going to, out of left field, he's going to be unstoppable. He'll achieve some kind of source of power, an artifact or something that turns him into a killing machine. Unless they've already done that and it's there and gone. I was disappointed with how he was represented in uh, Homecoming. Yeah, he was just a bunch of people. He was just like a he was like a mantle. It was like a mantle. Yeah. Okay, no, you're the shocker. Go out. You know? <laughs> yeah. And cool. like some dude. He's sort of becoming the comics. He's sort of becoming the comics as somebody Spider Man beats in the first two pages. Yeah. Like set the tone. Exactly. And I don't know if he ever was part of the Sinister Six at one point or not. I would have to imagine maybe he was, but Maybe he got the rest of them. That'd have to be an honor for him. I mean, that'd have to be a big honor. He's the guy who made the coffee. (laughs) Doctor Octopus called in sick that day. (laughs) Like, guys, I'm not gonna be able to make it. Not feeling so well. About to call in the shocker. Power outage at the center. I was just gonna say, he's like, guys, why am I here? Well, the generator went out. We need (laughs) you to (laughs) seriously. Anyway, back to you, Frank. Uh, I've been liking how in the recent years they've made the Penguin in the Batman comics now sort of a mob boss instead of like this fat joke with like a umbrella gun, you know? Right. Now he's yeah. like a like a sinister and serious mob boss that you have to kind of take serious. 
they don't try to make him go physically toe to toe with Batman anymore because that's obviously ridiculous. So you got the greatest fighter in the world and like this four foot tall fat guy. Right. We're, we can't possibly take that fight serious. So by giving him that element of like <laughs> a, a crew, it's made him. And the you know the penguin stuff was. Other than Tim Burton, like, which kind of made it dark and creepy and weird, it's just ridiculous. Like, all the old school comics when, like, the penguins would show up with, like, bombs. Yeah. <laughs> all of the bird-related crimes were a stretch, but there's something... <laughs> yeah. Like, they're finally capitalizing on that potential. Something about the name Penguin is, like, subtly sinister. Like, yeah. as comical as it is... You can envision some mutated, you know, mastermind pulling the strings like, you heard about the penguin? You know, it's it's got that kind of, like, criminal underbelly feel to it. And, and yeah, I, I agree. I, I like that they're working that angle more than they're like, and now my murder pigeons will drop incendiary <laughs> right. devices. And Danny DeVito's portrayal, you know. Oh, he was frightening. He was. He was grotesque. But like Frank's saying, it's a, it's a battle you can't take seriously. Still pretty silly, yeah. Pretty silly, but you know, again, hammering. You know, he's got the physical attributes of the penguin. He's got <laughs> flippers instead of hands, a big pointy beak instead of a nose, and, and black drool. Yeah, um, yeah. forgot gross. about that. That was gross. <laughs> Gnarly but, gingivitis or something. Yeah, oh, yeah. Don't want to know what's Eating happening. Too many raw fish in that in that system. But um, yeah, no, I, I enjoy what they're doing, bringing him back, and I think the animated series kind of uh, started to do that. The first three seasons, he was drawn just like the Danny DeVito character. But then it disappeared for a year or two and then came back with a fourth season. Minor differences uh, to the animation. Batman looked a little different as well as like the Joker. Instead of like full eyes with pupils, they just kind of turned to pupils, you know what I mean? Right. After like Superman came out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But the one character who got a overhaul was the Penguin for that series. He... Just went to being just kind of a portly guy who wore the top top hat and dressed well, and that's all he was, you know. Didn't have menacing animals no. with him. I like how in the Arkham games, how he's like that Cockney British. He's a, he's a bit much for of. me in that game. I like a bit him much. Well. Doesn't he have like a? It's like the bottom end of a Coke bottle jammed into his skull. Like yeah, that's, that's what his it looks like. Yeah, something. I've it's I've never been big on animal. those games' villain designs. They go way too far. Like with Scarecrow and like each finger being a syringe. I'm like, yeah. that's not practical. Like, how <laughs> could you that, do anything? It's the studio, you know, that well, the same studio that did like Gears of War and such. Yeah, one of those studios whose design philosophy is like they start drawing something and then they don't stop till the game is done. You know, if they had stopped them all halfway, it'd be yeah. like, oh, okay, but t- too many muscles, too much plating and circuitry. It's just and- weird though because the Batman end of it looks beautiful. Oh, mm-hmm. sure, the car, the outfit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks real. And then you look at Bane, and he's just mangled. horrible looking. I can't stand bison. the way he looks. Yeah, yeah he looks awful. Little teeny awful. tiny pinhead on that <laughs> yeah. giant muscle body. Roidosaurus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack. Boris and Natasha Badenoff. Nice. Oh, man. I was going to talk about that. Were you taking my choice? <laughs> Don't know. Rocky and Bullwinkle? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Talk about bumbling idiots that really never did anything. They no. just kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't watch a lot of Rocky and Bullwinkle back in the day. Correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't there entire episodes where they'd be in the middle of something and Rocky and Bullwinkle weren't even aware of it? Like their plans would just sabotage themselves. Like they didn't have to actively that, fight back against it. I think that more happened to Bullwinkle, but I think that was just a common, like anecdote in all cartoons. I think that was like a regular thing in Yogi Bear. If I remember correctly, I think yeah. Rocky actually did stuff to thwart him. Yeah, but yeah. Bullwinkle never yeah. did. He just stand exactly. there. And, hey, oh, gee, you don't know. I don't the know. Board, I <laughs> that it was his catchphrase. Like, no, Bucky. <laughs> um, it's like the same plot as Inspector Gadget. Like Inspector Gadget never actually does anything to stop. <laughs> it's yeah. all brain crime. Yeah, well, yeah, like he just the Mr. accidentally like happens to fall on the switch right before the rocket launches. <laughs> At the end, he gets like, all the credit. There to take all the kudos while the kid yeah. and the dog stand by, yeah. like, okay, <laughs> Uncle Gadget. The only reason he's oh, still alive Penny, is they don't know. Penny where figured everything out, but she always got captured every episode, and it was really the dog did everything. Yeah, he did everything. Yeah, he had to save Penny, had to keep you know 
Inspector Gadget from killing himself until the very end. And he, he did 900 disguises. He's better than Gary Oldman in changing how he looks. <laughs> Man's best friend indeed. Damn. You're right. Absolutely right. All right, Jake, we are over to you. I got a weird one because my list has been whittled down a little bit. But um, <laughs> Do you guys remember the Sin City movies? Uh-huh. Well, also in the comics, obviously, yeah. but, you know, I just figured. Do you remember the two bandits? At one time, one of them was played by Nick Offerman. They're like thieves who are weirdly loquacious. They just use a lot of big words. No, you I don't. Remember? Oh, mm-hmm. They were fantastic. Nice little bit of comic relief there. At one point, they come back to get in their car that they've stolen. The car's not there. and One of them is like... I can only express confusion bordering on alarm. You know, they've just, <laughs> everything they say has that quality, and it just fucking kills me. <laughs> oh, man, swinging a miss. Sorry, fellas. That's all right. That's all right. Um, I wish I knew their names. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't either. I can't. It's been years since I've seen uh, since it. Same here. You. I absolve you. It's a good film. I love yeah, it, though. I like it, too. Um... Okay, how about from Looney Tunes, which also carries over into what we know today, uh, Rocky and Muggsy, also translates yeah. into South Park's uh, Nathan and Mimsy. I was gonna, I was thinking about like, uh, can I talk about them? <laughs> oh yeah, why not? Why not? I guess that's all we can say. Moving on. <laughs> Maybe the best recent South Park bit characters by a wide margin. Yeah. He's so Nathan, so threatened by Jimmy every every step of the way. <laughs> and another one of those oblivious hero things where just by going about his business, he seems yeah. to thwart their plans. You know. I was thinking of um, Kaiser Soze from Usual Suspects. Nice. I don't know that one. Me either. Usual Su- nope. Oh, Kevin Spacey's character at the very end. Oh yeah, God! I gave the whole movie away. No point in seeing it now. <laughs> oh, that's that is an old spoiler. Uh, Anytime that name comes up, I'll be like, "Yeah, yeah it was Kevin Spacey. He was the one with the bad guy at the end, right?" Space Man. Yeah, that's all I need to know. You've given me enough of knowledge about the movie because if anyone ever brings it up, I'm just like, "Oh yeah, Kevin Spacey at the end, yeah. right?" <laughs> well, I told you how uh, Fight Club was spoiled for me the first time I saw it. I shared this story. Oh, uh, yeah, you were on vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah Fight yeah. Club was on. Oh, you wanted to watch it. was with my parents. Was like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's like, like, all right, well, time to go. I'm like, oh, hang on, let me turn this off. And I was going to ask him, like, hey, we need to, like, rent this or something when I get home. He's like, oh, no, uh, Brad Pitt's not real. Let's go. And I'm like, I could have watched it later. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't my last chance to see Fight Club. Oh, Jake outside kicking dirt on the way to the car. <laughs> Darn it. Well, Donald and Fight Club. days <laughs> wrong. I'm gonna go home. <laughs> All right, where are we? At? 23. We can go around again. Uh, Frank, do you have any more? I've been watching a lot of DuckTales lately because of the kids. And uh, the Beagle Boys on DuckTales. The, there's a whole new DuckTales out there, which is pretty funny. I've been thoroughly uh, enjoying it myself. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. The animation, I think, is even better than the first time around. And they've done more with the, the, the kids, they've given them. Uh, like distinct personality and quirks so that, you know, they don't... Because Huey, Dewey, and Louie always blended together. Even I had a hard time telling which one was which. And uh, yeah, now yeah, they all Donald have different, was like, yelling at him much. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. This, oh man, this new show is, is so much better. I started watching it and I was like, boy, I'm not really caring for these kids' voices. They, they mm. sound just like normal kids. But then I went that. back and listened to how they used to sound yeah and, oh my god like it's a million <laughs> times better especially webby who's like joey talking in the widow like cindy mm-hmm. Brady baby voice. like okay so that was a big improvement um but yeah frank i think you're right as far as the uh kids being more involved the one thing i don't like though is i have yet to see any big adventures happen there's no been no treasure hunting to dangerous places like you know, that was a big thing of the episode. No like, time travel, no dinosaurs. Nothing, I haven't seen much of no anything Atlantean like that. No Atlantean-duck-mermaid hybrids. It's just the kids trying to get one under over on Scrooge. I don't know. It's been good, though. I've enjoyed it. I've seen... There's a, there's a few where they go on these... Uh, on a couple of, of old-school, like, Indiana Jones adventures that I've seen. Um, and they had uh, the Robo-Duck showed up one time, which was really cool. That was like... Yeah. I was watching... 
I was watching it with my kids and I was like, oh, he's going to turn into like a robot superhero. And they're like, he's not going to turn into a robot superhero. I'm like, just watch. And then it happened. They're like, how do you know this? I'm like, I've seen this. This is old. <laughs> really old. I can like, tell I you these things too. Before your time. Uh, I pulled the youngest son. I'm like, I can travel through time. That's why I know. <laughs> I loved how they pulled uh, Darkwing Duck into it. Have you, have you been I watching? haven't seen that one, no. Yeah, no, no. Darkwing Duck is like... Oh, I haven't seen him show up. He's like the fictional superhero in that universe. Oh, that's cool. Like Launchpad has a Darkwing Duck on his on his uh, dash. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like before a race, I'll like hit it on the head and be like, let's get dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I can talk DuckTales all day if you make me. Um, do you guys have any others? I actually have one more. I was saving this one for last. Are you ready for me to drop the fucking A-bomb on this conversation? You ready for the duo? Oh, you're going to kick yourself for forgetting? This is my revenge for taking half my list. Balkan Skull. Oh. Boosh. One call him criminal. Yo, fuck right. you. I was yeah. excited. You take and this They were actually me. like security guards. And yeah, they were, the they end were there. They're actually cops. And... They were antagonists. <laughs> were they not? <laughs> Criminals, though. How can you yeah, break Your A-bomb fizzled out. No <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Your A-bomb's a fucking dud. You're a dud. <laughs> they were like misdemeanor juvenile delinquents, maybe. Yeah, they got, like, detention. They didn't get hard time. <laughs> I didn't realize hard time was one of the criteria. <laughs> I thought this was, quote, be super vague. vague. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Let, let me pull out my checklist of crimes they well, would have to have small committed. Small-time crooks and mobsters don't go to detention. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, whatever. Oh, you win this round. <laughs> I'll tell you what's a fucking crime. What's that? Missing out on t-shirt deals on Society6.com. And the real tragedy is that it's an easily avoidable crime. That is. Yeah. And, you know, the worst you might get for not buying a t-shirt is detention. That's true. But we'll never send you to jail. No. Promise you that. We'll just kill you outright. It's almost criminal the rate we're giving these things away, though, right? The prices are insane. (laughs) (laughs) Come on down to Crazy Candare's T-shirt Emporium. We can't give them away. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell them that. (laughs) So, yeah, society6.com forward slash Candare pod. You can go get a tasty Candare T-shirt mug, decal, all that happy stuff. So, please, try my product. (laughs) (laughs) or you can head over to patreon if we've updated the uh, page thus far you can uh, also get merch by backing us there all right well with that let's swing open the door to the comic vault who would like to go first this week i'll knock mine out really quick no one's chomping at the bit my i see no chomping all right i want to talk about death bulge which is a sentence i've never used before uh death bulge (laughs) is the webcomic series uh penned by one Dan Martin of the United Kingdom, and that sense of uh, sense of British humor tends to show through in the comics to an extent, especially in the example I would like to share, which really, really gave me a tickle. This one really hit the old funny bone. You've got two people emailing each other back and forth, and the body of text is illegible, meaningless even. The style is very soft, kind of exaggerated, hard to explain, but wonderful. And the first character finishes his email to the second, says, regards, so-and-so. The other guy replies, best regards, sends it back. The first guy re-replies, most kind regards, gets fired back, a bestest regards, and then it ends with the second character unleashing ultimate regards (laughs) with pink flames and lightning. (laughs) <laughs> Can't get better than that one. And maybe that's not the best gateway into this comic, but it's well worth your time. And it's one of those things where little web comics that'll give me a joke a day, I, I need that injection of funny to keep right. me from tweaking out. You know what? Once the withdrawal hits, I turn into a mopey dick. So every now and then, <laughs> whoa! Yeah, I gotta take a pause, get a little death bulge situation, and I'm good to go. I like it. Death Bulge. Dan Martin. You can find it on Twitter. Well, you can find him on Twitter. Uh, at Death Bulge. <laughs> For a second, I couldn't remember if there was an underscore. So that, nope, it's all one thing. 
cool. find all of his many things, including the, uh, the the list of fake Pokemon he's made, which to just give you names oh and descriptions yeah. would not do them justice. So please do yourself a favor and look them up. They are phenomenal. They are hilarious. <laughs> all right. Frankie, would you like to go next? Sure. Uh, I've been going on the Jessica Jones binge in the comics. Um, and so is Luke Cage. Trying to catch up on the oh, TV show. Oh, shit! <laughs> and um, the most recent one I read was the the new series that came out recently um, with Brian Michael Bendis and, oh man, I forgot the artist's name, but um, he's the he's the creator of Jessica Jones. And it kind of revisits everything. Uh, in like today's time, like post the show, and um, you know, with that original art style of of the original Elias books, and uh, it was really, really good, really interesting. Like it starts off with basically Jessica's in jail, and her, the the baby's missing. She's like not talking to Luke. She gets out of jail, and her whole life is like falling apart. She's um, you know, she's working a case, and Luke is chasing her, trying to find out where the baby is. She can't tell anybody anything, and she gets picked up by this girl who's starting this basically like a uh, like a criminal organization that's targeting and murdering superheroes. Uh, and she she picks up Jessica Jones because she's fallen on such hard times, and she's. You know, she was a superhero, but she's not a superhero anymore. And she basically tries to uh, flip her, get her to work for her, and um, and deliver Carol Danvers' um, Captain Marvel to her. And the whole episode kind of plays back and forth. You're never quite sure, um, you know, if Jessica's, uh, you know, if, if she's playing the, you know, this evil girl or she's playing Captain Marvel. And it all builds to like one big. Uh, crazy conclusion, but it's it, it was it was good to get back into the comics again and, and kind of because comic Jessica Jones is a lot different than TV Jessica Jones. I like the comic version of her a lot more. Um, you know, Kristen Ritter can get get tiresome sometimes on the show. I don't know if you guys ever watch it. That's for sure. So yeah. like it burns you out. Yeah, fast. This, yeah, yeah. The, the thing about like Jessica Jones, I, like is like Jessica is on the show. Jessica is like the least interesting character on the show. Yeah, everybody around her is so much more. Yeah, you, you know, you want to see more of Luke Cage or Trish or, you know, I mean, Kilgrave in season one was like stole the show. It might as well have been his show. Yeah. Um, but everybody else is like really interesting. And then Jessica is there just to kind of like do the same. Like she's stuck in the same rut, right? Like she constantly gets herself in trouble and she drinks and then she Where's fucks the everything clothes? up. <laughs> yeah, it always looks the same. She's always pissed off. Um, and but the team, you know, in the comics, she's she's much more balanced. Uh, I mean, she's she's a fuck up, but not like a twenty four seven kind of fuck up. You know what I mean? Not so like she, a Jake Runyon class. She, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, you know, she screws up in like ways that like normal people would screw up. Like she gets really drunk sometimes, and like you know. But then the next day, she goes about her business. She's not like constantly on a twenty four hour bender and. Uh, you know, they don't drive that that character trait home with her. So it was refreshing to like go back and see Jessica again. And I didn't want to spoil the end in case anybody. I've already spoiled uh, Usual Suspects for everybody, which is like probably a top twenty movie of all time. <laughs> so I'll never get all these all your listeners will never get Usual Suspects back again. <laughs> thanks to me. So I've had their chance. I'd like to think most of them have seen it by now. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that one. Someone with Kevin Spacey at the end, right? Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> all, all you have to say is, Kevin Spacey, I can't believe it. And then people <laughs> will be like, I know! I know! <laughs> I will do that. Oh, man, I cannot wait to report on uh, on the reactions I get from this. Actually, if you pull that out today, they'll be like, yeah, he was... Molesting kids. Oh, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, my. All right. Very good. Jessica Jones. So, are you a. Uh, have you been following the comic before the show, or is the, the show get you into the comic? No, the show is what got me into the comic. I, I mean, I always was aware of it, and I've, I've, I read the new Avengers run where she showed up a bunch of times. Although in those new Avenger books, she's just sort of like Luke Cage's like annoying, naggy wife. 
So, which, you know, I obviously, you know, is not an endearing character trait. So I never really cared much for her. But then the show got me kind of into it, and I was like, oh, I really like this. And I think Comic Exology uh, ran, like, a sale where they had all graphic novels for, like, a dollar. So you could, like, I think I spent 20 bucks. I bought, like, 20 graphic novels and caught up on everything, which was uh, it was a great sale. It was, like, more comics than I could read. Uh, I've been reading graphic novels now, like, for months, I feel like I've uh, I've overdosed on them, but um, yeah, it was great to it was great to catch up and see where the character comes from and and uh, and if you like the show, you'll like the comics. I think I think you'll like them better because I think she's a better character in the comic books. I need to try to watch season one again. I just couldn't get past the 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 fucking between her <laughs> and after that. Luke once Cage. you get past like the halfway mark, it really starts getting good. Mm-hmm. That's when coming Nothing's going to really top Punisher for me at this point, as far as the Netflix Dude. series. That's just been. Uh, I watched the first two. I think it takes a lot to make me look yeah. away from the screen, and I was like yeah. sideways on the couch, not looking at the TV, like grip, gripping a pillow, <laughs> just knowing what's happening on the screen behind me, like. Damn, this is some fucked up stuff. Yeah. But I loved it. It was Punisher so is on point. It's oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very, point. very gruesome and brutal. I have a I have a three year old, and he likes to sneak sneak down at night when I'm <laughs> uh, watching TV. And I'm like, so he sneaks down. I'm watching it. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I can't have this kid be around. And this, these are very repeatable, uh, imitatable murders that are happening right now. <laughs> You know, the last thing I need is this kid to gouge somebody's eyes out in kindergarten <laughs> or in preschool. <laughs> but, uh, I'm told his was... thumbs are all bloody. <laughs> <laughs> he painted, he's finger painted a skull onto his shirt. <laughs> These fuckers will never mess with me again, Dad. The first couple episodes of Punisher are a little slow, but once he, once he kind of gets back from the woods, it like the, the, the second arc of that. Of that season is just is incredible. Yeah, it is, and I, I love um, Micro just as much. Oh man, they they got that character right. Yeah, they did. They, they really, really did. tied it into yeah. like this, you know, sort of surveillance state fear that I think mm-hmm. is like super topical, and it was just really, really well done. I can't wait for season. And they did a good job making them seem like organically like friends. Yeah, it, well, it took a lot for him to get there. Yeah, I it mean. certainly wasn't a. Are we just? Are we best friends now? You know? <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Very good. Very good. I enjoyed that conversation. I can't wait till we get some more Daredevil and more Punisher. Indeed, two great <clears throat> tastes that taste great together. There it is. Buy your t-shirts, <laughs> please. Do you want to go first? You want me to? I'll go. Okay. <clears throat> My comic is by a fella named Lucas Turnbloom, where you can find him on Twitter at Lucas Turnbloom, and it's called How to Cat. <laughs> How to Cat? Yep. He basically, he rescued his cat in 2017, and the cat's kind of crazy, so he decided to make a comment, a comic about the cat. Stands a reason. Yeah. Uh, he updates it every Tuesday and Wednesday, and one of them I found was pretty good. That's a cat just sitting by a food dish. You see food getting poured into it. And he says, the store ran out of your usual food. But it's it's the new stuff. It's just as good. And the cat's sniffing the bowl. And then he says, right, sweetie? And the cat looks back at him. And then the next panel, you just see the house on fire with the cat staring at the house. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yep. And then there was another one. If that cat over there had posable thumbs, we'd already be dead. We'd be dead. And the other one I found was, uh, Warning signs your cat's about to strike. And says, All movements stop. And then its eyes begin to dilate. And the ears flatten. And then inset- incessant twitching. Then the body crouches. Then the gun clicks slowly. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> I'm like, don't say it in case that's the punchline. <laughs> it always ends with the guns. Yeah. Chambering the next round. Well, that's it. How to Cat by Lucas <coughs> Turnbloom. Cool. I think my family would get off on that. <laughs> Big cat, we're cat people. Yeah. Cat people. I'm surrounded by cat people. Poor Jake. 
You're allergic, aren't you? I am. That's a horrible thing. But see, I'm allergic to dogs, and I'm surrounded by dog people. Like, you know, there's dog people everywhere. And behind I behind enemy lines. I would love to be a dog person. Sure. And I know everyone's thinking, well, you can get a labradoodle, but oh, if you get a labradoodle, uh, I'll lose all respect for you and punch you. My well, wife wants to get one of those, and I just can't have a dog that's called a labradoodle. It just—they're very sweet dogs. Oh, they I'm really sure. are. One thing I find though is they fucking stink like worse than regular oh, dogs. Oh man! Oh, okay. Something about yeah. the fur, like it tracks. I think so. Filth. I mean, I don't know. Whatever, whatever it is, it's not keeping <laughs> me from bad. sneezing. It's yeah. keeping them stinky too. Maybe I could be talking out my ass. Maybe the, the one dog I'm thinking of in reference was just a stinky dog in general. Could it's be. the mildewy dog. It's got the no reason dog. to believe Mildewy's the rest of them <laughs> don't also suck. So screw them. Yeah. No, I like I, I like them. I just don't want one. I think you have to undermine everything I say today. Is that the theme Screw of the you. show? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I th- uh, think you're going to really enjoy this comic oh actually that I brought. It's the human fly. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No, God. There will be more one oh, day. I know. It's it's not today. No, I what actually was going to take the week off from web comics. I don't have anything. Moving on. No, I'm, right, I'm just kidding. I was actually going to take the week off because I didn't have anything, and I got a text message from. Uh, Chris uh, Minnick Weber, friend of the show. He was yeah. at our uh, show, guy I work with. Indeed. He's be- uh, become a great fan and friend of the show. So. A super cool guy besides. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely is. So He I laughed w- at all our jokes. That's <laughs> Whether they were genuine or pity, <laughs> thank you, that Chris. That takes all the boxes. a good person. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he sent me a link to a, uh, a website called Board Panda, and to a comic <laughs> called test and it looks like it's just board panda being a website you can go to when you're bored oh sure many variety of different things you can do on there but um yeah this was a come a comic called test and it starts with a police officer who is being drugged by a bunch of other police officers down a hallway to a cell and he's kicking and screaming no stop please don't i won't tell anybody please let me go and one of the cops like you sure sure we should be doing this and he goes He's got to go. He knows He knows too much. So they throw him in the cell, lock the door, and he's beating on the door like, let me out. And he hears someone, I don't remember what he said, but there's someone behind him. And he turns around and he sees a Charlie Manson kind of looking dude sitting at a table staring at him with a pile of dead officers oh, behind him, all of them with a bullet in their head. And uh, so he pulls out a gun. He goes, stay right there. Don't come any closer. He's like, are we really going to do this? And he just kind of makes a gesture with his hand, and the gun just dissolves into dust and just away out of his hand, just blows out of his hand. So he goes, come sit down. I promise I won't kill you, at least, you know, for the first few minutes. And so he comes and sits down. He goes, why'd they put you in here? They want to be rid of you, right? They want me to take care of their problems. He goes, yeah, I saw them stealing something. And uh, they, you know, saw me, saw them do it. He goes, oh. He goes, well, how about I kill them for you? Would you like me to do that? He goes, I can totally do that. And next thing you know, the door opens, and the officers that threw him in there come walking in, kind of cross-legged, like they're walking but not on their own accord. Yeah. Something is controlling them, and they have their guns out of their holster and pushed into their mouths. And past the gun are saying, please help. Don't, please stop, help, you know, save us, save us. He goes, just give me the word, and they'll, they'll be dead. He goes, no, no, God, no, don't, don't kill them. So he goes, all right, if that's what you want. So he lets go, and they just all you know, fall to their knees, drop their guns, and scurry out of the room. And he goes, <clears throat> uh, you know, I am a traveler from another world, and I just am in this disguise here. And I've, you know, we are sent, I'm called an auditor, and we're sent out to worlds to observe them and see if they're ready for the next level of, like, space intelligence and space travel. You know, we we look to see if they're... Uh, you know, how well they get along, how well they work together, what they achieve together. And so far, your guys' planet is like the worst we've ever seen. <laughs> you know, there's there's nothing we can do. I, I can't bring you guys on. You guys can't ever make contact with other uh, civilizations or gain this knowledge. And he goes, the guy's like, yeah, there's a lot of bad, but there's a lot of good, too. There's a lot of good. You know, let me show you the good. And the guys, the alien's like, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. And he puts a gun down on the table. He goes, you can put the gun to your head now and pull the trigger. Blow your head off. 
and you'll save all of humanity. And, or you can just come with me. Because we'll leave this planet right now. You become an auditor. You get to see all different stretches of the galaxy, all different corners of the galaxy. The choice is yours. And he's thinking about it, and you know, you're seeing what he's imagining, and through touching, this guy can show him what he would be seeing and all these these new worlds that looked pretty cool. If it were me, I'd probably have gone. Sure. And then he is about to he's thinking, yeah, that looks pretty awesome. But then he reaches, grabs the gun, put it to his head, and boom, pulls the trigger. After he pulls the trigger, he opens his eyes and realizes he's still alive. And he pulls the gun away, and that gu- the alien has the bullet just spinning oh. right there in the air next to his head. And uh, then the bullet drops. And he goes, wow. He goes, I've tried this test a million times, and you're the first who has ever achieved this. Maybe there is something to humankind after all. And he just gets up and walks out of the cell, and the dude just sitting there staring straight ahead, and that's the end. It was such a good comic. It was so good. I can't tell you enough uh, how good it was. I was wanting there to be more. But, um, yeah, head over to elcomics.com. That's the uh, the main hub for... I didn't catch the name of the person who wrote this. The last name is Lavsky. Hmm. So maybe it was like E... E, uh, I can try to remember, but I'm just going to butcher it, so I'm not even going to try. But <laughs> we'll have all the, uh, we'll tweet all the, the Twitter uh, handle out right, there. We will. That's at E L A V S K I and at E L Comics.com. It looks like there's a whole bunch of different comic shorts on there. And uh, if they're as good as this one was, hot damn, get it over Awesome. There. Hmm. All right. Sorry, I was a little long winded, but. Uh, yeah, that's a good one, though. It was a good one. Yeah. I enjoyed it. <clears throat> Thanks again, Chris. And with that, let's just turn our attention over to Frank and talk about Fall Streak once again. Frank, I want to thank you for uh, coming back on the show. And I think the last time we had you on was during the Kickstarter for Fall Street. And uh, before we go any further, I think uh, we got to just tell some of our new listeners, those that didn't hear you the first time, uh, what Fall Streak is, if you could. Sure. Uh, Fall Streak is uh, it's an 80-page graphic novel. It's about – it takes place in this uh, in, in this town where – these clouds would fall from the sky, and when they crash into the ground, they would freeze everything around it. It's like a natural phenomenon, kind of like a, a tornado or, or a hurricane is. And uh, in this world, these you know these people, they just you know they deal with it. Uh, when it happens, and it's devastating, and it, it's extremely rare, but it happens in this one small town, and uh, it follows the lives of these kids as they as they try to you know deal with this disaster that hit them. And while dealing with this disaster and the death that surrounds it, they discover that from the cloud that hit the ground that these monsters are emerging uh, and the government is covering it up. So we follow a group of teenagers through their teenage life and as they're investigating and uh, trying to get uncover the truth about these monsters that are appearing from these clouds that have fallen from the sky and... Also, you know, the government's working against them to try to cover this entire phenomenon up. Um, it's, a, I would say, like a coming-of-age kind of story where it, it deals a lot with, um, you know, I, I think it touches a, a lot on real real issues that teenagers um, go through. Um, you know, it's a lot of uh, uh, teenage drama, love, and, uh, and, and friendship, and also, you know, there's uh, this, you know, alcohol and, and drug use and... Um, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of touchy subjects that we're seeing, uh, you know, come up a lot more recently in, in TV shows about teenagers. And um, it's got this spooky, uh, spooky, weird vibe that, you know, I, I think um, I think it kind of falls in line a little bit with like what you would see in Stranger Things if the kids were kids were a little bit older. Um, you know, and that kind of weird what the hell is going on here. There's a weird mystery going on. It's um it's drawn by Tyler Souls who's been on the show uh, also oh, yeah. as well and it's uh, beautifully drawn um, and it's produced by Source Point Press which um, I think most of those guys uh, have also you know popped on the show at some point and it's uh, I think the last time it came on was uh, when we were you know we were generating money for it and we were generating press for it now it's been released um, it's it's available on Diamond. Um, you can order it on Diamond uh, at your local comic book store, and also Source Point Press has them at um, 
all the conventions they go to. They go to 63 conventions uh, this summer alone, so this year alone. So pretty much any major convention, comic book convention that you're at, there's a good chance SourcePoint Press will be there. And uh, on their table, you'll find Fall Streak. I know what I'm so, going to be looking for next month. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many things I want to get from yeah. this booth. And SourcePoint just keeps coming. It's a name that just keeps coming up on this show more and more. They are just growing and becoming bigger and badder and badder in a good way. Like Michael oh, yeah. Jackson bad, not like yeah. like uh, like uh, having a hemorrhoid bad. You know what I mean? Those no, are they, two ends of a spectrum, that's for sure. <laughs> They've exploded recently with um, with their catalog, and they've uh, they've brought on um, a lot of really really good talent, talented people. Um, you know, Salvagers, which I believe you guys have had on the show a bunch of times, is now mm-hmm. being produced through that show. Uh, uh, being produced by Sourcepoint Press, they um, they partnered with the Comic Experience, which is Andy Schmidt's um, uh, online comic. Uh, university and uh, they produce comics as well and they get now published through source point press so they've uh they've shot up to at a at an amazing rate uh on the spectrum of comic book pub- publishers out there um, which isn't a lot uh but they've shot completely like up to you know the 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 you know the upper here more or less um you know and, and they're starting to become a, a real presence so it was it was i'm really honored to be published by them and uh and the exposure that you know have have this book out there for everybody to have access to which is great uh you guys know how long and uh how hard me and tyler worked on this thing oh, yeah. um and uh and you know it's great that people get a chance to go out there and and, and you know pick it up because i i think it's a you know it's, it's a different type of book and it's uh it's it's a, a really, really deep uh, and interesting kind of book. It's not something that you know you see all the time, but at the same way, it like plays with all those familiar tropes. Um, and it's just, a, it's just an interesting experiment that, in um, also in art that Tyler, you know, put out there with panel layouts and the way he arranges pages, was a. Uh, he does a lot of really, really interesting and creative things that just work masterfully. So it's um, it's a really, really great book, man. And uh, I hope that uh, whoever's listening to this, uh, I'm terrible at pitching my own stuff, uh, and I'm probably terrible at pitching Jessica Jones as well. But <laughs> <laughs> don't beat yourself up, Frank. But uh, <laughs> but um, it's it's really uh, it's really worth the read, and I hope that if anybody's listening to this, when they walk by the uh, the Source Point Press booth and they see uh, this orange cover with Fall Streak on, you know, with Fall Streak there, they uh, at least pick it up and thumb through and, and give it a shot. I would highly recommend it, uh, Frank. You sent over a PDF for us to check out when the first time we talked about this, which is uh, when was that? Boy, I don't even remember. It's been a while ago. Yeah, it was, uh, it's been a year, I think, about a year. Yeah, that's a while in podcast years. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. a while in comic book years too. <laughs> but reading it, you know, again, I, I'm going to have to be repetitive of what I said before and what you've already said. That the very Stranger Things vibe, the very empowered uh, kids out on an adventure kind of vibe the, Steve, the That's Stephen something that King, never goes out of style it's the the uh stand, stand by, by me, me. Hey. there we are exactly there's hey. that trope uh, goonies you know that whole that yeah. it's infectious everyone loves it and I, I will always go after that but uh maybe if people's affection for that style dies out people can stop capitalizing on it but man right. it has not you know you know, it's funny, Frank. I was trying to think of something uh, last night sitting here to say that I hadn't already said about Fall Street. The only thing I can say is, like, when I remember, and I think this can this can speak to the merit of the book, when I think back to the first time I read it, I don't remember a lot of the details that I, I did then. But my memory of the book, I remember splashes of color, and I remember it being a black and white book, but I remember also that the lines weren't actually black. I remember them in like a like a light blue. Now, when I go open the comic, I can see it's done in a black and white. You know, black 
every, the definition of black and white. It's done in black and white, but the way I'm remembering it with that color has to speak to some kind of merit, right? I mean, that speaks to the merit of the story, I think. Absolutely. You're injecting color to the story that isn't there. That's what this story does, and I uh, absolutely I love it. The story's it. poignant enough that it's affecting your own memory of what you saw. That Did that make sense what yeah, I said? No, no, I see what you're saying. No, no, that's that's a that's a great compliment, man. I'm I'm really uh, I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was called in grayscale, and it you know Tyler did such a great job capturing uh, the mood of of each scene, um, which is great that it's come across like that. It's it's a really um, we tried to make each character the main character Matt is you know he's he's very much. Uh, relatable to most everybody. I think everybody at some point felt like how he feels. He's sort of like, he's sort of an outcast, but not, you know, he's not, he's not the loser or the dork that has no friends. He's not the cool, popular guy. You know, he sits somewhere comfortably in the middle. Uh, and I, you know, I think that's where most of us sat most of our lives, especially in high school. Um, so it, it makes him very relatable and, and because of that, I, I think that as he goes on this journey, uh, it makes it seem a little bit more believable, uh, especially when the aside from the crazy monsters, um, everything else in the story is really ground. All the other problems and drama in the story, which, you know, revolve around uh, a love triangle and, and substance abuse issues. Um, you know, those are those are real, real issues that a lot of people have to deal with in real life. So. It um, you know, it tells it tells a, a real life story and then drapes it in uh, sort of like this sci-fi horror feel. But blue and uh, that's like that's the tone. That's the tone that I when I was writing it um, with Mike McCloskey that uh, we were going for. You know, we were very um, we were very influenced by um, this that kind of somber and uh, that kind of somber tone. Of um, at the time, I think we were watching um, the Leftovers a lot, which I was like that HBO show. Oh yeah, about the um, uh, the Rapture and like that show, you know, had that kind of feel when you'd watch it and you'd be like, "Wow, it was a great episode," but you, it left you kind of like somber and uh, and also like really, really, like, "Wow, what did I just watch?" Um, and I, you know, we we're trying, we we're trying to capture some of that, that kind of real human emotions. Did you just hear my dog barking upstairs? No, we can't hear it over the cat snoring on our end. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, she's like across the room snoring like a pig. You know, it never occurred to me until you said it, but I, I totally get it. The vibe of that show, that kind of, I almost, the way I'm going to word this, I don't want to suggest there's a lack of emotion, but that like emotional desolation you know there's there's kind of a kind of a pall that's cast over everybody you know when there's an event that affects people so deeply it leaves kind of a stain on the reader and i mean that in the best possible way so i i totally get that that comes through in a way i I didn't even connect the dots on that one before but that is fantastic yeah a large part of the story deals with death and and how how that affects people um and you know that that's a that's a tough story to tell without, uh, and you don't really do it justice unless you you really hit those somber notes and you you kind of show that like that that feeling that you know you get when when somebody passes away and uh, especially somebody tragic and you know young like it what happens in the sh- in the book, um, so we you know we try to capture that real feeling. No, did I hear you say just a little bit ago when you guys sat down to write this that you actually like had discussed setting the tone for it like at like like blue is that, is that what i understand yeah it, blue would be the, the color that i would i would picture as well you know blue is I like see. uh like uh we we set it in um we set it in oregon uh um you know uh in the upper northeast because it's rainy there and it's cloudy and and it has that kind of feel and also that that works well when you know, if clouds were going to fall from the sky and and sure. fuck shit up on the ground, you know that kind of area would probably be like the worst place to live. Yeah, you know? <laughs> where it's cloudy every day. It's um, absolutely amazing that you can project that through black and white comics without you know suggesting yeah. too with the words. Isn't that amazing? Uh, just to see uh, Tyler's panel 
because I mean, as an you know, as an artist, I can only imagine you know somebody telling you, "I need you to draw a cloud crashing into a house, destroying it, and then freezing everything around it." As an artist, and be like, "How am I going to pull that off and make that look, you know, intense?" Right. Um, but he does. He does it. He does it well. And uh, I think when you know when, when I when we sat down and we talked to Tyler about it, he was he was really into the project because it it challenged him and it made him think, uh, you know, do a lot of uh, you know, gave him a lot of interesting challenges and in that that you wouldn't see in like a normal kind of you know classical comic book where it's you know about you know a vampire or uh, you know uh, uh, you know the zombies apocalypse or you know whatever you know you kind of get this is this is different and this is uh it, it made it, it challenged him to you know to to really make sure that he hammered home the emotions of each buddy's character and also you know to draw these uh these weird things that you you've never seen before in, in a comic and a good job he did too and you couldn't have got anyone better really i mean we we've seen uh well not, well not only hank steiner monster detective from tyler but uh durantis remember oh, that yeah, that's right durantis that was a yeah. gorgeous book too so yeah you got a great artist on board um <clears throat> yeah tyler tyler was the best now you uh, mentioned uh, that this has just recently gone uh up for order is it on sale in stores how are people able to get their hands on this Yes, um, so it's Source Point Press carries their books through uh, Diamond. Um, if you follow them on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, you constantly uh, will see updates about which new books are available uh, each month in Diamond. But you can order any book at any time from Diamond that's already been published. So all you need to do is go to your local comic book shop and ask them to order the book for you. Uh, the code for the book is MAR181906F. Um, and that's Fall Street from Source Point Press. So they, you just ask them to order you a book, and, uh, and they'll order a book directly to your shop. Or if you want, you can go to the, the Source, Point, uh, Source Point Press website, um, and you can just order directly from the store there. Or if you're listening to the podcast, I assume that you're you're probably uh, you know a big enough comic book fan to that you travel to at least one convention every year. Um, it, and odds are, if you're at a major convention, uh, that there's a source source point press booth there. Uh, and that book and all the other uh, titles from Source Point Press will be uh, available there. So. Um, any way that you consume comics, you can. It's also on Comic Exology, and pretty much every medium that uh, any way you consume comics, it, it's available. It, it's uh, it's there for you to just kind of walk by and check out if you want, or uh, or order it online and check it out. And we highly recommend awesome. it. Can't recommend it enough. What a great book it was. You're going to love it, especially like we were, like Frank said earlier. If you're into Stranger Things or anything like that, yeah. boy. And who isn't? Who the hell isn't into Stranger Things? You're going to love this book. Kids <laughs> Adventures. Right. You're going to love it. If that doesn't cause something to stir in your heart somewhere, then you you're have probably no an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> you like ET? You like it? You like Goonies? You're going to like this. Yeah. Those aren't questions. Those are statements of fact. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us again today. And, uh, yeah, when we have you back on for the fifth time, you know, whenever that may be, we're going to have to make an event of it. That, that's, that will definitely be setting a record, I think. Right, guys? <laughs> I, I can't think of anyone else who's been on quite as much. I, I maybe, maybe Richard. Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah. But I don't know. This might... I don't even know if that counts, because I feel like there was a lot of, like, on-site collaboration and stuff that kind of... Maybe. ...bolsters that number. We'll have to tally the numbers on this contest that nobody gives this a shit about. This bears much investigation. <laughs> <laughs> I care about it. I gotta beat Richard. You let me know when he comes on again so I can come on and, and top his number. <laughs> he just pops into the episode. We'll, we'll be sure to tell him you said his days are numbered. Yes, <laughs> sir. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to CandairPodcast.com. Check out our special guests. Listen to the show. Follow us on all our social media. Visit the Hall of Heroes. 
see some of the videos from our YouTube page, click on the merch button, comments or complaints, send us an email on our contacts page. And don't forget, you can find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod, Instagram at Canned underscore Air, and hit us up on Patreon. Throw a couple of bucks a month our way. It doesn't take much, and it goes a long, long way, much further than you'd think. And, uh, you know, just be cool. <laughs> We're doing stuff for you. <laughs> doesn't it even matter to you. Right? Well, tell me about it. And head over to our YouTube page. Jack just put up the footage of our uh, live performance, our first ever live performance yes. at the Columbus Podcast Festival. Happened just a few weeks ago. Now you can watch it. If you don't want to uh, watch it on YouTube, it'll be posted as an episode one of these weeks when we don't have shit to do. So. <laughs> yeah. Either way, you can check it out. Um, what else? Am I forgetting? Wizard, Wizard World. World. We forgot that at the top. God damn it. You have the commercial at the beginning, though, don't you? <clears throat> That's true. Thank God for that commercial. Yep. Yeah, uh, head over to wizardworld.com if you're going to a upcoming wizard convention at checkout in that promo box. Type canned air with no space and you get yourself a cool 10% off your flaches. You are welcome Hell yeah. on your boys here at canned air. Buy yourself a, a, a little trinket or a hot dog with that Treat extra monkey. Pop monkey. Final. I said that extra monkey. That extra money. That's all right. <laughs> I wasn't going to call you out on it because I'm a good friend in co <laughs> Oh, wow. Mm. Wow. I, yeah. Have I not treated you too well did, today? Geez. Did you detect the subtle venom in that phrase? <laughs> subtle. Very subtle. Very subtle. Well, with the tension in the air, I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And I'm Frank Mueller. Thanks for listening, everyone. a window, but it's another to blame Simple Billy. You should be inside listening to the Candare podcast. What about the window? I guess you shouldn't have broke it. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Alright, guys. Fix... Oh, sorry, I forgot. Go ahead. Please edit out this pause. In, in the, is, is it too, because you, what a terrific audience. <laughs> okay. Is it, I think we're done. I guess they the, said the, goodbye. The, the horn yeah. honking out there. Okay. <laughs> Very considerate. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.